Psalms chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Lord, I, I just pray this morning that we would hear your voice today and what you have to say to us. We, we thank you for this path of joy, God, that you have for each one of us. And I, I just pray today, God, as we step into your word, I, I, God, I just say, speak, Lord, like Samuel, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. We want to hear the wonderful, your heartbeat through scripture today. Would you speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. I was reading that, and I, I, was, I realized something as I, as I read that. One, it's, there's kind of a progression. Blessed is the one who walks not, stands not, sits not. When I walk in the counsel of the wicked, it progresses to standing. When I go from standing, I end up turning to sitting. And it all starts with the counsel that I receive. The advice and the counsel of the world ends with you standing still in God. The world has a lot of opinions and a lot of things, and, and, I, and I think it's really easy to live a copy-paste life. In other words, I watch this video on YouTube. I see this thing over there. Man, they're successful. I'll do what they say. But how do you know God wants to speak to us and that the counsel we're called to receive is his counsel, his voice to your life. Isaiah eleven three through 4 says this. This is speaking ultimately of Jesus, but it fits to you and it fits to me. And his delight, this is also supposed to be our call, shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what he sees or decide disputes by what he hears, but with righteousness, he will judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. There's that encouraging word for you this morning. <clears throat> he will not decide things by what he sees or by what he hears. Our calling in God is not to look around and to look at like try to assess everything and make our decisions based off of what you see. But we're called to do what Jesus did, and what Jesus did was simply this. I don't do anything unless I hear the Father speak or I see the Father move. It's almost like we're called to do this. Father God, what pleases you today? And then to wait for the answer, to wait for God's voice in that. 
I don't know about you, but probably waiting might be the hardest thing for me to do. Because there's always somebody with an answer. The counsel of the wicked, the counsel of, and the word wicked there is basically saying those that are, don't have any connection to God. Blessed is the one who doesn't just listen to what everybody says about your work, about your family, about your life, about whatever. No, no, no. But they will simply say, God, what are you saying? James 1, 5 through 8 says this. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. It will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, I don't believe that this is saying that you're not like, if you have any sort of lack of confidence, that God's not going to talk to you. That's not what this passage is saying. This passage is saying that the person who asks God has to stand still enough to actually hear and receive what God is saying. If I say, hey, God, what do you think about my future? Hey, God, what do you think about my life? God, what should I do about this and this and this? And I wait for three seconds. And then my friend tells me this, and the news tells me that, and this thing happens here. And I'm like, well, God, are you, well, I guess God's not going to say something. I'm going to go do it. But blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the world. Blessed is the one who stands still enough to wait for God to speak and be stubborn enough to say, I'm not moving until he does. God loves to talk to you. Let me say it again. God loves to talk to you. He's not hiding himself from you and me. But blessed is the one who will stop and say, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till God talks to me. I'm going to wait to hear what he has to say. You need wisdom when you don't know what to do. Anybody need wisdom? Nor sands in the way of sinners. A sinner is the one who knowingly goes against God's ways. Proverbs 1, 10 and 11 says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, don't go. Who are your friends? Who influences you? Matthew 4, 19, Jesus said to, his, to the, some men that were going to be his disciples, he said, come to me, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Who do you follow? Because you're going to become just like whom you follow. No, seriously, who do you follow? Who influences you? Who shapes your thinking? Yes, God's word, but in the, in the landscape of the people in your life, who are they? Who are the ones? Because whomever I uh, surround myself with will become um, the direction that I walk in. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of of scoffers. The scoffers are those who not only go against God's ways, 
but they laugh at God's ways. Can you see the progression of what happens in my heart, in your heart? When we walk in the advice of the world, eventually we start losing forward momentum in what God has for us. Now we're standing in the way of sinners, surrounded by those that are not looking to follow God's way. And that leads me to the next step. Now I'm sitting. And I'm sitting in a place of pride. I'm sitting in a place of I know better. I'm sitting and I'm like, oh, that's laughable. And it all started with my ear open to what was not the counsel of God. Whom do I listen to? Where do I stand? Because where I'm surrounded and what I listen to can lead me to a place of humility or it can lead me to a place of pride. What will be the content of my heart in that space? But verse 2 says this, But his delight, the blessed one, is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now, when I, one of the first times I ever read this, I saw he delights in the law, and I thought, that sounds really boring. Like, I was, I was picturing sitting down with, like, going to the DMV and reading through the driver's manual and be like, oh, yeah, this is so good. <laughs> oh, left turns, don't do it. Yep, no, do it. Like, but that is not the law that God's talking about. God's not talking about you need to memorize, you know, the mold rules from the Old Testament. And, you know, obviously all of God's, all of the word of God is, is inspired and breath of God. But the point is not this dry letter of legalism that God is bringing you into. I was talking to a guy three days ago and we were, he was, he was sharing with me some places of brokenness. And, and he was like, just saying, he was like, man, I was really walking in some suicide and some struggle and a different stuff. And we prayed through it, and then I said this. Let's take a moment, and why don't you ask what, ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me? What does the Father have for me in this space? And we stopped, and we were still. And I said, well, hey, what's up? And he said, I, I feel like God's wanting to tell me to have hope. Okay, that's good. But whenever God speaks to you, it's not just that God wants to say one thing and leave you. God is speaking to you as an invitation into knowing him and to walking in victory. So this guy was struggling in a space of sadness, of brokenness, of, of feeling like down and out. And God said, I want you to have hope. How does this apply to Psalms chapter 1? But his, but his delight is in the law or the instruction of the Lord. So this would be my first question. If God said to you the word hope, what does the Bible say about hope? What, what does God say in his word about how we grow in hope? What, is, what does God's word say about, about what happens when we hope? And in that whole space, God was giving him armor to protect his heart. He was showing him who he is, that he is the God of hope, that he is the God that restores that, that when God speaks to you, it's never just a matter of the one thing. It's an invitation to say, God's like, I want you to know more of who I am. What if you were sitting here today and you felt like God said, you know, I need to give to the poor. That's an invitation. 
So the next week you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go give to the poor. And then you read a verse in scripture that says, he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay. Or whatever you do for the least of these, you do unto me. And then you f- start realizing God wanted to speak to you about the poor because he wanted to show you himself. But his delight is in the instruction, the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. What's the result of the one who meditates on God's word? What's the, what's the result of that person? The very next verse. He or she becomes like a tree planted by the streams of water that yield its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. This is what happens to the one that delights in the instruction and the law of God. This delighting in God is not a dry DMV version. This delighting in God is a life-giving relational version. It's a space of conversation where God gives you clues into his heart. You pursue them and then he speaks more. It's like breadcrumbs into the heart of God. Do you have a problem like that James passage? Anybody lacks wisdom? I have found, (laughs) Nick does, we're going to pray for him later. I have found that God often speaks very loudly in small things. And very quietly in the big things. And man, that's been very frustrating to me. Hey God, should I move here? Hey God, should I sell this? Hey God, you know, who should I marry? All of these different big questions in life. Often, I didn't hear a very loud statement from God. But then I cry out to God and he says things that I wasn't looking for. Like, hey Jeremy, I want you to be humble. Well, that's not fun. I want you to be considerate. I, I found that God often spoke to me, speaks to me about my character. He speaks to me about the posture of my heart, how I treat people, what I do with my time, how I spend my money. And God's promise I have found is that he will lead me perfectly into the right place with the right people in the right season. But he's working out these things that I think are so little Because that's going to be the foundation that's going to be able to prepare me for the next season. The little things are the big things. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. A dear friend of mine, he just actually passed away um, eight months. Six months ago, um, his wife struggled with a, a blood disorder that they found out after they were married, and they ended up having five uh, five sons. And shortly, I think it was like eight years after they got married, um, she suffers and she actually passes away. And then, in the progress of time, they find out that four out of five of their sons had the same blood disease. Now, I I believe God heals. I, I've seen God heal. We know, and and we would contend and we'd pray for healing and. Son number one passed away, and son number two passed away, and son number three passed away. And we contended, we prayed for son number four, and son number four passed away. And, and I was with, um, uh, Jerry was, Jerry was um, at the doctor's office, and the doctor was talking to him, and he had gotten remarried to another lady that actually had similar situation with other kids that passed away too. And they, they, they found, they got a beautiful union together. 
And in that place of sorrow, the doctor said, how, how are you able to maintain yourself? Like, how are you able to do this? And he's just like, I, God gives me joy. Like, in the midst of that sorrow, in the midst of that brokenness, he's, he, Jerry has been like a tree planted. And his fruit, he was always ministering to people. There was always life pouring out of this man. And he was probably one of the first in line that could say, well, you know, you, des- you deserve to get a little bit upset or a little bit bitter or a little bit angry. But he knew his God. And he knew where his sons were. And he knew where his wife was. And in that, he delighted in the word of God. He delighted in who God, wa- God was. And he found that fruit came out of that season. The wicked, and by hear this, the word wicked, the wicked is those that have no interest in who God is, not connected to who God is, not, not desiring of the Lord. The wicked are not so. They are not prospering in their heart, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. I, I, I looked at that whole thing about chaff, and I was, I was processing that, and there's this whole process. Have you ever seen a, a combine? that does grain, there's three processes. There's the the cutting down of the stock, there's the threshing of the wheat, and then there is the winnowing of the chaff, and it blows the chaff away. The, the, The cutting of the stock, the separating of the chaff to the grain, and then the chaff gets tossed up in the air, the grain goes into the conveyor belt, and they're separated. Life does those three things to our hearts. And God works a process in the whole thing where there are times where you get cut down and there's spaces of humility and brokenness and then comes the threshing. Anyone ever been there? And life and circumstances and the places of threshing where what is of substance and what is chaff starts to get separated. And you find out the contents of your heart. You find out what you're made of. And then there's a separation. And then there's the winnowing. And the chaff gets taken away. And only what's gold remains. The wicked are not so, but they're like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Jesus even said, he said, my winnowing fork is in my hand. Jesus with his words winnowed thing and there was something about the way Jesus spoke that it either drew you in or you went clear the other way. Stephen the martyr, he even was talking of Christ, he was testifying of Jesus and the Pharisees, those that rejected him, put their hands up over their ears and screamed and rushed down to kill the guy because when it comes to the Spirit of God speaking, it'll either draw you in or draw you away depending on what the posture of your heart is in that space. You know, we talk about the Spirit of God moving in our midst, but the, the reality of God's presence in our life is that it'll either be something that draws us far, closer to Him or we run away because we want something else. When I, when I read this, um, often in the past when I would read the part about, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, my first thought whenever I would read that is, oh God, I hope I make the cut. Oh God, help. I, 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 uh, 
I, I don't know if I've been that good this week. Help, Jesus, help. And I realized something as I've read through Scripture, and I was reading, um, you should read this later, write this down if you think about it, but Psalms 139. I realized that we don't have to wait till one day when we stand before the great white throne for God to speak and transform our hearts. David said in Psalms 139, he said this, Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you've known me. I'll say this one thing before I continue. It says in Revelation 20, verse 12, that someday everyone will stand before God and he'll say this, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what was they had done as recorded in those books. Did you know that every one of your words is written down? Every single statement you've made, I know that there's some things in my book that are not going to make a lot of sense. <laughs> You're like, Jeremy's saying this, nobody knows why. <laughs> what, is, what is this? But every idle word is written down. I don't know if there's an angel like a scribe walking around with us right here, writing that, or how that works. But I know that someday we're each going to stand before God and books will be open. And there's going to be a book that says Jeremy Schwader, every one of his words spoken. And, and maybe there's another book, this Jeremy Schwader, all the places he went to. And another one, and, and there's all these books. I don't know if there's illustrations in these books. Maybe Jason Kelly's going to get to draw some in these books. I don't know. But, but there's all these books and, and there's, there's one important book, and that's the book of life. And those are those that have put their faith and their trust in Christ. And we'll stand before him, and the very first thing that will happen is there's going to be a look through this book. David Anderson. Yep, right there. Spencer Hope. Yep, right there. Jim Lucas. Yep, right there. And we'll stand before him. And the word, the record will run out. This one put his faith in me. But that's not where it stops. Next, we'll go on to the other books. And in those books, it'll be the space of reward for everyone who's followed him. And folks, did you know that we will receive reward in heaven for how we lived here on earth? And it's kind of like in this judgment space. There is the space of the cutting down. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. I don't know if there's much lower than that. Cut down. Then there'll be the threshing, and that's the space of the judgment. Everything of worth, everything not of worth. There'll be this separation. And we'll see what we did on earth that was worthwhile, and we'll see which was not that worthwhile. And then, blow, and all the chaff will be gone, and only what is of worth will remain. And then the Lord will say to each one of his servants, enter into your reward. It says in Corinthians, it says that some will enter in like, like their clothes being singed with fire. All they're going to have is the clothes on their back. Their names are in the book of life. They're just like, I'm really happy I'm here. And that is the most ultimate reward. But there is a space that God wants us to enter into. This is the judgment seat of Christ. Psalms 139. 
Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. What? Verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol or death, you are there. Verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. Ole on Andrew's baby. God sees the unformed substance, the substance of your child, and knows your child's life in entirety already. What? In your book were written every one of them, all of my days, the days that were formed for me when as yet there were none of them. Can you see how much God loves you? Can you see how much care he's done that he actually has written down every one of your days? It vitally matters to him. Verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Sounds like David's kind of cutting in line. See, one day we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, but David's like, hold on, how am I doing now? God, would you search my heart today? Would you know my heart today? See, the judgment seat of Christ will come to all of us, but when his presence comes, when the spirit of the Lord comes, in a moment like a morning or in your quiet time, it is an invitation. It says this in Hebrews. It says in Hebrews 4, 16, so let us boldly come to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Let's go to the judgment seat. Let's go to the place where God brings out his judgments. And in that place, you know what he's going to do? We'll be cut down to the place of just being humble for him. He'll thresh our heart. The chaff will be separated from all of the stuff that's worth something. And then he'll blow his spirit on us. And he wants to have all that chaff float away. And he wants to do that today. He wants to do that in you and he wants to do that in me. Because I know this much, I can't change me. I'm not really good at it. And I need mercy. And I need grace. Mercy that he would not give me what I deserve. And grace that he would give me power to live differently. But would we like David come and simply say, Oh God, search me. Shine the spotlight on my heart. Expose me. May everything be seen for what it is. And then God, have your way. I want to go back up to verse 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day 
and night, it's often in the place of his word that he'll thresh out my heart. Where I read his word and there is a wrestle in me and there is a struggling. And he, he says this, I, his winnowing fork is in his hand. That he destroyed things with the word of his mouth. Did you know that when God speaks, it shifts everything? I heard a preacher say he, he had this picture in his mind of Jesus. And Jesus was holding a sword, which was his word, and he was pointing it right at his chest. And then he heard Jesus say, come here. In other words, the sword pointed right at his chest, and Jesus was saying, walk towards me. When God brings us in an invitation and he speaks and he puts that word of hope, he puts that word of give to the poor, he puts that word of whatever it is, and you say, okay, God, I'm going to go on that treasure hunt with you to discover what you are saying, it will cut you deep. And in that threshing, God will divide what is good from the chaff, and his spirit will come to blow away the chaff. Are there areas in your life you're like, oh man, I need God? God's like, let's go on a treasure hunt together. Dive into my word, meditate on my word day and night, and I promise you, I will thresh out your heart. I will divide what is good from the chaff, and I will pour out my spirit on you. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Whose voice do you listen to? His delight is in the law of the Lord. What is your delight in? today. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Folks, we all can right now approach the judgment seat of Christ and in that space, God desires to bring forth gold. But that means I have to come into the light. We're going to end it right here, and I'm just, we're just going to do it real simple. I, if you're in a space right now where you recognize God is, wants to work on a space in your heart, would you just stand up? There's this place of threshing that God wants to do in you. Could you just stand on up? I know I don't make sense sometimes. If there's a space in your heart where you're like, God is trying to get my attention in an area. I recognize a threshing. I recognize a struggle, a space where I'm not, you know, I need God to work in my life in that. Would you, would you just stand on up? And, and um, could be as simple, it could be as simple as you've been walking through some hard times and you're recognizing, man, my attitude is crummy. That's probably God bringing threshing in your life. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. God, we right now, we just want to repent of trying to listen to what everyone says to make our decisions. But we simply say, Father, what would please you? What would please you in my work, in my family, in my relationships, my money, my time, my energy? What would please you? And let me just say this. If it pleases him, that means he'll provide for you. Secondly, God, I just pray over the space of our delight. God, you really are the best. 
I pray today over each heart today, God, that we would recognize and step into a place, Lord, of allowing you to be our delight, to go on those treasure hunts with you. And lastly, Spirit of the Lord, we approach the throne, the judgment seat of Christ. And we come boldly because we're your kids. And we ask for mercy, God, that you would cleanse us from every place where we've missed the mark, where we don't measure up and we know our failures. And we ask for your empowerment, Holy Spirit. Would you empower us to live a life that pleases you? Just pray over each heart, each mind, each life here today. Spirit of God, would you blow on us? Would you have your way in each one of our hearts? We really love you, Jesus. Amen. Well, that's a wrap. Can you put the, uh, the benediction on the screen and can we all just stand on up? We'll read this together before we go and... This is just, every time we read this, it's just like gold. But um, let's just make this the prayer for the week. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen? Amen. I'll have to ask Nick to come and play. If you want prayer t- this morning, would you come on forward and we'll just pray with you. But other than that, bless you and have an incredible week.